show is about to start in 
Am I, is it good now? Is it better? Yeah, you sound good. It just sounds like you're distant. Like yeah. it's picking up all kind of spatial stuff. Is it? But yeah, yeah it's yeah. clear though. I mean, you, you're coming through crystal clear. Okay. I'm trying to figure out uh, what, what in the world has happened, but we'll get this fixed here. Is Hale in yet, by the way? Yeah, Hale just popped in. Let's throw him in here. Yeah, let's go ahead and get him in. Mr. McGranahan. What's up, boys? Yeah. uh, He's probably going through what we're going through, trying to figure out how we're going to get everybody through today. (laughs) (laughs) I'll win the boss this weekend. Hey, let's start with the major news, though. It was just announced uh, just a little while ago. Mo Kaba out for the season again. This time his left knee. Heartbreaking. Yeah, it it didn't look good as he's coming off the field and, uh, and he sat on the bench for a while probably most of the first quarter and had Clint Haggard, the head trainer with his arm. Clint had his arm around Mo's shoulder and was just in his ear and they just sat there. And, uh, I would imagine it was pretty emotional, emotional time for, for the two of them. So, uh, you know, I never am one to speculate on injuries, but uh, judging by how that, that was kind of playing out and seeing that on the sideline, I, it was pretty clear something, Something good did not happen, and, and it was probably not going to be the best outlook for for Mr. Cabo. So, hate hate that for him, obviously, coming off his second one uh, from last season. So, uh, you know, I don't know if this was an ACL tear, uh, but and if it is, then third, third one. Uh, and hate it for the guy, man. It sucks. I know we worked really hard to – try to get ready for this season and, you know, running downfield, trying to cover a kickoff and something happened, whatever it was. Yeah. I, I, I just, um, when, it, when, it, when Shane said on Sunday night that it would be out of respect for Mo, that they would announce that, or was that for him or for Casey Henry? I can't even remember now. It was for Mo. It, it was, was for Mo. Mo right? I think yeah. you said Kaysen was out. Yeah, but Mo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was the 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 knee that that Mo was working back from. I saw somebody asked in the in the comments. Uh, the the knee that he hurt last year was his right knee, and this one was his left. I don't know which knee he hurt when he was a senior in high school, um, but yeah, it was it was the right one that he was working back from from the Arkansas game last season and, and apparently it was left one the other night. Um, okay. Well, you know, so he, I guess down the road, we'll figure out whether, um, whether what this means for the future of his career and all that type of stuff, you know, the future is now for the rest of the program. They've got Furman coming up this weekend. They've got to make the trip to Athens. Hale, um, Bam Martin Scott was out this past weekend. Shane is going to speak to the media today at 1.30, as we well know. Not a ton of Pup Howard in there, but it just seems like all of a sudden this this deeper linebacking core that we thought we were going to see, more talented linebacking core that we thought we were going to see all of a sudden has thinned itself out pretty quickly. That's yeah, the nature of the beast. It's football. I mean, all it takes is one, one or two guys to get hurt. Uh, and that can change the outlook yeah. on your position. But, uh, you know, thought Stone Blanton and Debo Williams played pretty well the other night. They they didn't get yeah. a ton of help at times from from the, the defensive tackles and ends who sometimes can are supposed to, to hold blocks and stuff. Uh, 
but uh, you know, all things considered, from the other night, I, I, I think those those first two guys look pretty good, and if they continue playing that well, won't need depth a whole lot of depth uh, as long as they're healthy and available. But you know, again, it's football, so you can't sit here and try to say that that's going to be the case. So you're going to need need more bodies, and uh, you know, you certainly don't want your talented guys going going down like Mo Caba. Uh, you know, Grayson Howard's had had whatever injury that he dealt with during preseason camp, and I don't know if that was a limiting factor for him the other night, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Bam Martin Scott's been down with an injury for for a little bit too, so right. certainly can't afford to uh, have too many more of those at, at that linebacker spot. Even though two of them are on the field at once for most of most of the time, uh, yeah, you don't want to just start seeing seeing your numbers dwindle there. Inside the Gamecocks of the show, live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. JC is out today, but he will uh, be rejoining us tomorrow as he is traveling uh, for uh, – been traveling for a couple of days, I guess is the way we'll put it. Um, all right, Hale, let's talk about what we saw on Saturday, the offense itself. Uh, it was it was pretty putrid up front. That's the worst the offensive line has performed. It really doesn't matter how it's dressed up. Uh, they were they were bad. I mean, it just is what it is. They were bad, and they're going to have to get better. And I don't know what that looks like. And maybe Shane will talk about some of that today. But uh, there's again, there's no other way to. Yeah, if you want to have an honest conversation about it, you know, look, we can do that, and I'm all for it. But let's not try to dress it up. And it was just pretty putrid stuff. Um, overall, the offensive scheme outside of maybe not getting to the quick game a little bit earlier in the ball game hail overall it's it's not bad uh, you know i i kind of liked what we saw there spencer rattler by the way is dialed in like everybody's <clears throat> been saying he looks good but they have got to find some solutions up front on the offensive line hail so through your eyes what did you see on saturday night all of that encompassed into one conversation yeah well I think I made my thoughts pretty clear over the last several months that, that the offensive line was going to be a concern. I don't think that I could have imagined it would have been that bad. It was brutal. <laughs> As everybody saw, uh, nine sacks just speaks for itself. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> that's that's got to change in a hurry or else, mm-hmm. you know, whatever Dow Loggins wants to call isn't going to really mean a hill of beans. Um, I, I did think and have wondered maybe they could have tried to do a little bit more to get Spencer on the move, kind of shift the pocket, you know, move the pocket uh, and, and not have him just doing some straight drop back so much. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't be too critical of, of what I think was a game plan, which was to try to attack downfield because North Carolina secondary has not been good. And Spencer threw for what, 350 yards or whatever it was. And, they had some success going vertical, uh, as we saw, but uh, it just wasn't always in in the best interest to have Rattler drop back and uh, try to sit in the pocket because there really wasn't much pocket to speak of. So if, if I had to just sit here and try to, you know, Tuesday morning quarterback it, I, I'd, I, I've wondered about that and didn't have a chance to ask Shane about it on Sunday, and we'll, we'll certainly try to this afternoon, but. Again, just like could could they have done more to help Spencer out in, in terms of protecting him and and getting him on the move and 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 that type of stuff. So 
so yeah, I, I I think the game plan was fine from from the standpoint of wanting to to attack downfield because they had some success and certainly an exploitable secondary they were going up against. Uh, but when when you can't can't move the ball on the ground because your offensive line or your tight ends or whoever's trying to to make room for your running backs or, or whiffing on blocks or getting knocked back into the backfield, like it's it's going to be a tough day. Um, and and again, like. I thought North Carolina had some talented players up front. Uh, maybe it hadn't always shown up over the last couple of years, but uh, they looked pretty good the other night. And and I don't want to sit here and kick South Carolina's offensive line too much and, and not try to credit the players that, that North Carolina's got because they do have some talent. And, and I think that showed up a little bit the other night. But uh, certainly no excuse for, for the Gamecocks and, and their struggles in blocking those guys. It, it can't <laughs> – it can't be that bad. Like they, they made that, that North Carolina front look like the best of the players who were on the last two national championship defenses at Georgia, like the all-star team of, of Georgia's defenses the last two years. That's, that's what they made North Carolina look like the other night. And uh, of course, Georgia's on the horizon two weeks away. So they're going to have to get that cleaned up uh, not only for that game and for down the road as well. But uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty pretty awful the other night. Yeah, I I think that you know Phil kind of lumpy into this here. I think a lot can be true at one time. I mean, you, you do have a point. Nobody wants to hear, it, and I understand that totally. Um, but you know, North Carolina does has a, they have very talented guys up there. South Carolina recruited a lot of those guys. North Carolina got them, and and it it can be true certainly that they have finally developed into the group that they had thought and hoped they would be. And that Gene Chizik, you know, still knows what he's doing as a defensive coordinator. It can also be true that South Carolina up front is is just flat out not good right now, and they got to figure out how to fix it. I, I am a believer in Hale, and uh, that it's not always as bad as it seems, and it's not always as good as it seems. Uh, I don't think that they're that bad. I do think there are some things that they can certainly fix. However, the question is how much, right? Because mm-hmm. let's say you even cut that in half. And you get to four. You get you, you only give up four or five sacks. You can't give up four and five sacks a game. You can't do it. And they don't have talented enough running backs to be able to avoid that type of pressure. You know, so I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, you know, the tight ends the other night, perimeter blocking wasn't good either. Um, I thought Trey Knox was struggled out there. I've gone back and watched the game. So I, I, I think that there's a lot that is left to be desired. I'm not sure if it's all on lack of talent. I'm not sure if it's lack of want to. I'm not sure if it's lack of coaching. I'm not sure if it's mental mistakes. I'm not sure if there's a small piece of all of that. Um, we do know this, those Shane Beamer's teams have improved the last couple of years, and you got to hope that they can start to make some pretty quick improvement because you just pointed out that the dogs and the volunteers are both coming up this month on the road, we might add. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I looked at the North Carolina game as kind of a a gauge or a litmus test for, for the offensive line, and oof, yeah. That, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like I I don't know how other how many more creative ways I can say it was bad because uh, it was terrible. <laughs> well, let let me, let, me, let me ask you this. I I this is for mm-hmm. both of you, Phil. Jump in here. I I. Yeah. I know 
I know leading into the game, we have we knew that there were a lot of tackles, uh, the the position, not not actual tackles. We knew that Carolina had four or five guys. They just they didn't they didn't know. They had no idea who was going to start, who was going to play, and 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 through four quarters, you you know with the with the Case and Henry injury that certainly helped this. But they all were playing, and there wasn't really anybody outside of Vershawn Lee that ever settled into any spot. Do y'all think that if they do just settle on, hey, look, these are the guys we're going to go with, and we're just going to work through the kinks with them, that that would be helpful in any way? Because what we saw Saturday night, that doesn't work. No, one of the things that you know I was thinking about after my rewatch yesterday was – Here's the thing. You're not going to know anything about this line for weeks. Like we didn't, you know, we learned that it wasn't good enough Saturday. Let's say you turn around and, you know, just whoop the crap out of Furman. Okay. Uh, Which is not a given by the way, but let's just, you know, for the sake of argument, say that happens. Then you're rolling into Georgia with what Uh, a team that looked terrible against UNC, a team that looked good against Furman. And now you're going to go up against one of the toughest defenses there are. And then you got to come home and play a team that ran the ball effectively, who has been throwing it around for years (laughs) in Mississippi state, who's not going to be a pushover whatsoever. So it's like, are you going to, you feel like, I don't know. Do you just roll five guys out there and be like, listen, y'all need to figure it out? Or is it, you know, hey, we got a couple of stud talented young guys in there. If we're going to get beat up and have growing pains, just maybe they need to get beat up and learn on the fly. To about playing the young guys. Yeah. What do you think about that, Hale? Playing the young guys? Well, I mean, yeah. I, I think if the young guys were, were, viewed as better options and than what they rolled with the other night, I think we would have seen them. I mean, we can sit here and talk about the other, the young guys all we want, but like the coaches are are the ones who are with those guys in the meeting rooms and watching them on the practice field. And like, they have a much better gauge than we do. And we're just sitting here basing it off like star rankings and high school highlights. Like, sure. Like Jalen Kilgore played, a ton of snaps the other night because they thought he was ready and, and good enough to, to play that much. Like they're not just not playing them because they're young guys. Like they're <laughs> that, that's, that's something that folks need to keep in, in uh, perspective here when they're talking about the offensive linemen or, or the, the other running backs who didn't play. Like they, they want to have their best players on the field and the guys they feel most comfortable putting out there. So that's what they had the other night. And that's not to say that it won't change over the course of the season or that maybe they'll, they won't end up just rolling the dice on some of those guys, but keeps looking as awful as it did up front on offense. Um, Mm -hmm. But for game one, for week one, like they're, they're putting the people out there who they feel like are, they're giving them the best chance to be successful. I mean, plain and simple, whether you like it or not, like that's, that's how it goes. Like, it's it's not rocket science, y'all. If 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 they don't think Tree Babalade is one of their two best options at left tackle, he's not he's not going to play unless they have to put him in. And we can yeah. argue we could argue that they need that they had to put him in based off what we saw performance wise. But you know, going into the game, they 
obviously did not feel that way. Yeah, and you know, if he plays in two or three weeks, that might be where when they feel like he's finally ready to play. And you know, we just don't ever know with that type of stuff. While while we are will continue to discuss, you know, how poor it was up front with the offensive line. Um, you know, there are other things that go into this stuff, Hale. It all it all works together. Uh, the the running back room, uh, evaluate what you saw out of those guys and who you didn't see out of that group this past weekend. Two of them didn't even play that I'm aware of. Yeah. Uh, you know, Joyner certainly struggled. Um, if, if you're taking a handoff and, and you've got uh, an offensive lineman or a tight end getting pushed back into your face or you're getting tripped up by one of those guys or, you know, you're just running into – a wall of blue jerseys, like it's going to be hard to to gain yardage. He had, what, 12 or 13 carries, and five of them went for negative or no yards. Hard to get into a rhythm when, when that's what you're dealing with. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I've I've said before that, that to carry on Joyner, is, as it related to, like, playing quarterback, he needs to get into a rhythm and, and get in and, like, be able to to have some success to to pick up steam like that's a reality in football like you hear there, there's a phrase of like some guys get better as the game goes on like that's just how some people get good at playing football is like have a little success and it builds and it builds and it builds and like when when you don't have any opportunity or barely have any opportunity to be successful because again you you don't have any room to to make moves or, or run or whatever, like it's uh, it's going to be a challenge. So I can't sit here. I, I can't me personally, I'm not saying anybody else shouldn't think otherwise, but trying to, to make a conclusion about to carry on Joyner as a running back based off of, you know, five or six carries that uh, weren't just an absolute shit show in front of them. Like, <laughs> Like, give the guy a chance, y'all. Like, it's hard to Juju McDowell. Juju McDowell, you know, he he was faced with similar issues. Like, again, like if if the staff thought that DJ Braswell or Mario Anderson could have done any better, they would have been on the field. Yeah, like they're not just holding those guys back because they like to carry on a lot, or they like Juju a lot. Like if they if, seriously, y'all, like it's it's they 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 get paid a lot of money. They want to continue to get paid a lot of money. They want to set themselves up for success professionally. So you think they're just going to play a guy because he's you know been around for a long time? Like that's that's not how it works. That's no, it's it works. I, and I know we got to get you out of here. I, I do want to flip to the defensive side real quick. And let you touch on that, Hale. Um, you know, it's I don't even think I'm pretty sure. I don't think Marcellus Dial was targeted on Saturday night. I, I don't think. If he was, it might have been once or twice. But he he has clearly grown into one of the more feared players on this defense. He should be as good. Um, but, you know, overall, and look, this is – I, I hate doing this to you because you got to get out of here, and it's kind of a loaded statement, and it's there's a lot to it. But, you know, this defense has given up 30 or more points in five straight games. That goes back to Florida last year. And I know that there's some really good offenses in there. I, look, North Carolina's offense is good. Tennessee's offense last year was good. 
you know, Clemson's offense is good. Notre Dame's offense, they're good offenses. I, I, I'm aware of that. Uh, but, you know, there are times where uh, defenses are better than good offenses. It, it has happened before, and it has happened around here before as well. You know, it, it, at what point in time do, do we kind of start looking at this and saying, regardless of how good the offense is on the other side of the field, you know, they got to come out and have a standout performance somewhere, Hale. I mean, they, they don't get a lot of pressure on the QB, or it's very rare. Um, and like I said, in the last, you know, you know, five games, I think it is, they're 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 30-plus points every game given up. They do create turnovers, but but you got to score yeah. a lot of points in order to win with a defense that's given up 30, 35 points a game. That's 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 a concern, I would think. Yeah, well, if you can't get off the field, you're you're probably going to give up some points in the process, unless that's true. Very true. Your opponent just fumbles yeah. at the goal line, like we saw Clemson do a few times last night. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Need the uh, help. Yeah. <laughs> right. Again, like going back to things that that we talked about during the off season, like getting pressure on the quarterback was was going to be a challenge. We we knew that that could be a pretty big concern and and mm-hmm. there were a handful of times when drake may got affected the other night but i don't i don't know that they even got a hand on him not in the backfield um no there was one one tackle for loss that's pretty bad <laughs> you want to yeah. talk about the nine sacks uh you know the other side of the ball was that on the line of scrimmage it wasn't it, it was not good um you know north carolina's got a veteran offensive line but you know, South Carolina's got a lot of veteran guys up front too on defense, and didn't see a whole lot of knockback. Uh, Agreed, and, and that was a problem. Uh, you know, Keenan Nelson got beat on a couple touchdowns. That first one, he was just kind of standing flat-footed. The second one, he couldn't couldn't find the ball in the air, and the tight end made made the catch in the end zone. Um, but you know, when when Drake Mays got a pretty decent amount of time to sit back there and, and figure things out. Uh, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of criticism you can you can lob at, at the secondary uh, when the guys up front aren't doing their part. And they, you know, they, it wasn't as bad as the offensive line. Like I'm not going to sit here and try to say they were equally as bad, but it was not it was not encouraging in the least bit. Uh, you know, again, I said I thought the linebackers played well. JB, you mentioned Marcellus. I, I don't know if he got targeted or not. I I, I hadn't looked at any advanced stats or, or watched rewatch the game that closely to try to count that up. Uh, but yeah, there, I mean, the defense had some issues like North Carolina dropped some critical passes too the other night. Yeah. Dropped a, a third down ball. They dropped a fourth down ball, mm-hmm. I guess, sort of a wash that way uh, compared to South Carolina's two drops on third and fourth down. Um, but yeah, there there's some issues on the defense and uh, a lot of them Kind of go back to not being able to get to the quarterback. That's an important, very important part of this game, guys. As <laughs> we saw uh, how it affected South Carolina's offense, if you can get to a quarterback, that's going to change things. And and I don't want to sit here and, and talk like I'm trying to give Clayton White a free pass because I, you know, there there's some criticism that that's deserved. But w- when it comes to defense, a lot of uh, a lot of it just kind of boils down to how talented you are and yeah. how good your, your guys are uh, again, again to the quarterback and, and you know, it's, it's going to have to get better or else 
it's going to continue to be a problem. And I know he's been here since 2021 and, you know, recruited and all that. And, you know, people say, oh, we'll go to the portal. Well, it's not easy to get defensive ends out of the portal. Um, Again, like we've said all offseason, when two of the best defensive ends in the transfer portal are guys that left your team, it's going to be hard to make up for that. I don't care what anybody thinks about Jordan Birch and not living up to the five-star hype and all that stuff. Like it was going to always be a challenge to replace him. He's still a good player. There's a reason Oregon really, really wanted him and and made every uh, effort in the world to, to assure that they got him. Gilbert Edmond was quite a find by, by that previous coaching staff here at South Carolina. And there were times last year when he really flashed and there will be times this year, if you watch Florida State, that he's going to keep flashing. They need JT Jerry to get healthy. They need Drew Tuazama to continue to get up to speed and, and get into shape and get ready to play. And they need to hope that Jordan Strong can get back to, to what he was before he hurt his knee last year against Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, we can talk all we want about Keenan Nelson giving up touchdowns or Marcella style not getting targeted, what have you, but if there ain't anybody up front bothering the quarterback, none of that's going to matter because you can only cover for so long. No, you hit the nail on the head. You know, the deflating part of the conversation, we'll let you go on this note here, is is uh, that both lines of scrimmage lost Saturday night against North Carolina. And it really wasn't a close contest, Hale. I mean, the defensive line, the offensive line, uh, both of them shoved back on their heels and worse. And that was the difference in the ballgame. Crazy thing was Carolina in the fourth quarter still had a chance to win the game. And they couldn't yeah. do it, um, you know, down 0-1 now. But um, Yeah, and and as somebody pointed out in the chat that I saw, I mean, the de- the defense did its part in the second half. Like, they they got stops. They got some interceptions. Maybe yep. those interceptions were a result of poor decisions by Derek May or uh, maybe – you know, the offensive coordinator for, for North Carolina probably being a little too aggr- more aggressive than he needed to be. But, um, you know, credit where it's due. Like, you know, the, the defense did its part in the second half from a get-the-ball-back standpoint and, and getting stops and all that. So, uh, I, I don't think they're you – know, they deserve a lot, a lot of uh, criticism, uh, again, because they, they played fairly well in the second half. Luke Doty, Nick Gargiulo, Vershawn Lee, Jordan Strawn all meeting with the media. Hale will be there. They start in just a little while. And then Shane Beamer coming up at 1.30 this afternoon. Uh, and he will wrap up UNC and look forward to Furman. Gamecocks looking to get win number one on the board this weekend under the lights of Saturday night at williams Bryce Stadium. Hale, we will be reading all week long as the Gamecocks look to move past correct some of the mistakes that were made up at the queen city this past weekend as always we appreciate your time my man appreciate y'all have a good yes sir there you go hill granahan with the big spur.com all right need to step aside plenty to get to in the chat box and uh, i've got thoughts on the game this past weekend as well uh that we will kind of push out here in just a few minutes mike morgan is coming up at noon we'll talk to him about the ball game and certainly get into some of the other stuff that happened in college football, including Colorado's win at TCU. I didn't think they had a prayer. Boy, was I wrong, and everybody else in America for the most part. Uh, Clemson last night getting throttled by Duke. Uh, some missed 
some well, it's not misfortune. It's not unfortunate for Clemson when you're talking to a bunch of Gamecocks. Uh, it was it was neat to see if you're a Carolina fan watching it go against those guys and so on and so forth. So we'll get a kind of a ten thousand foot view of all that with Mike Morgan, and we will continue to answer as many questions as we can in the Nanosports chat box. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. Get your exercise in and get up to twenty eight miles per hour on one of those sweet, sweet, sweet electric bikes. They service and serve everybody from anywhere in South Carolina. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. Hang tight. We will be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight out the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is.
Mm-hmm. Shane Rattler, I mean, uh, Spencer Rattler was going to be dialed in and look good. And hey, I, you yeah. take that performance, right? I mean, you know, protected the ball. That was number one key for him coming out, coming into this season. He did it exactly. And what could amount to nothing but one hell of a performance for what he was handed Saturday night. At 30 of 39 for 353, I think, right? Um, he, I mean, he was sacked nine times. I, I, it makes me sick to my stomach to even think that. I, I just, that has got to be, I mean, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Like, let's just, let's just talk about it like they, sh- like a man should be talking about this. If you if you play on that offensive line or if you had anything to do with giving up those nine sacks, if if starting today through pretty much Thursday, but moving forward in general, if you haven't taken this personally and you're not out there literally doing everything that you've got in you to figure out how to make this better for your quarterback – then you don't need to probably be there. You know what I mean? Right. That, that, this guy is given everything he's got. And, like, you know, I, I, I've talked to a couple of people and I've seen some things here and there about how he had happy feet and this, that, and the other. Well, if you had your ass crushed and you were being chased around by 6'5", 275-pounders every time the ball was snapped, you'd have happy feet too. Okay, Mr. Mister, you know, backseat driver. I mean, you know, this guy gave everything he had, and he is right on the money. He's seeing everything. Um, you know, I, I, I personally think, you know, that they probably could have, you know, maybe gone to the quick game a little sooner the other night. I think that would have helped him, Phil. Um, yeah. And um, and they they didn't. So I think that that was a little bit of a bugaboo. I. I, I disagree with Hale a little bit, but you know didn't have a lot of time with him, so wanted to make sure that he could get in when he needed to get get in. Um, you know, the, they only played two running backs, so I'll, I'll throw a couple of things out here. I think that I, I like where they're going with the carry on Joiner. He, he's just he's and I I can understand why he probably has looked pretty good in the in the preseason, um, but. You know, it's probably going to take still, I would venture, you know, another four to eight quarters for him to really feel good. And what does that look like? That doesn't mean 100 yards a game or anything like that. It just means to feel good. Um, Juju probably needs more carries, and someone might think that sounds crazy because he's not a big guy, but he, but he's a, he's a natural running back. Man. And, and, and so is Mario Anderson, like, and so is DJ Braswell. They, those three guys are natural running backs. Like that's what they do. They're running backs. They they understand that position. They understand some of the things that maybe it's taken DK a little bit more time. So I, you know, it, and the only one there who's been taking running back reps for four years at the college level at least is is Mario Anderson. I'd just be interested to see what those guys look like in there with live bullets, um, and just knowing some of the 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 do's and don'ts and the the nuances of playing that position um at this level i think they there might be be some benefit to that but who knows um 
Well, I think that comes on the soul searching right. side of the, the coaching staff too. I mean, it was kind of like Hale said, it was like, well, they wouldn't have put them in there if they didn't think they were the best ones. It was like, okay, so we've got a small sample size. And I mean, from that sample, there are certain aspects of this that are like, well, what do you got to lose? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but let, cause some guys, Hey, maybe they're new, young, you know, and, and granted there's, it's not just that they're, you know, maybe they're not as talented. Maybe they don't understand schemes and things like that. Some of these guys have only been there, you know, a month or two. Um, but there's a, there's that, you know, where do you get to that point where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, it, it was so, uh, was it so ugly that it was just like, you wrecked the whole thing? I don't think so. I mean, there were some positive moments, if you will. Uh, I think along the interior tackle seemed to be the biggest issue when it came to the O line. And, you know, how do you evaluate a running back when there's no, nowhere to run? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You know, I thought as, as well, like the one of the, I guess, questions I had from, say, a, a scheme perspective is why not try to move the pocket later in the game? You know, or, or do some, you know, I mean, let's <laughs> I don't want to talk another season full of boots and waggles and things like that. But, you know, I mean, and there's no telling. I mean, there might be a different, you know, approach to this week's game. Uh, or it could look, you know, same and, and it just works. And then they kind of reinvent the wheel for what they know is coming in week three. But I don't know. There's a lot of, there are a lot of questions being asked and, and are going to have to be answered here from the top down, you know, and I, I think Beamer said it too. I mean, everybody's keying in on the damn hot dog quote about the thing at halftime, but you know, he said it all starts with him and he's right. I mean, you know, well, look, if you have that many things that have that many issues and it just all needs to get better. And yeah. I mean, period at the end, you know, I mean, the, the, the blocking on the perimeter wasn't good. Um, you know, the, the, the tackle position I thought was awful. I mean, it really did. I mean, I thought it was awful. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting. The tweaks that were made pretty immediately to the depth chart this week is that Fugar or Jackson, who's is at left tackle. That's still a concern to me. And then yep. at right tackle, Wanamaker or Ja'Kai Moore. But Ja'Kai's your starting right guard. So what they're thinking there is if Ja'Kai Moore has to play right tackle, then Trey Jones is going to be the starting right guard. Vershawn and Gargiulo are pretty much locked at left guard and center. But and respectively, so I, you know, they, they have to find the right five. They, they will find the right five. That's going yeah. to happen. The question with that is what does it look like? Okay, the right five just might not be good enough. It actually might be better than we think. We don't know the answer yet. Uh, after seeing it the other night, uh, it, it right now it's hard for anybody to be any type of positive about it, and I totally understand that. But I mean, they there's a lot of things that they have to evaluate. I'm sh- and and they don't need us to tell them that they've been doing no. it since late Saturday night. Uh, and and you know somebody pointed out in the chat box just a little while ago, the Amari Brown drop on fourth down. Um, you know, still could have changed the game. I think that was Kevin, our man, Kevin Lucas. They mentioned that, and he's exactly right. Like, as bad as all of that was, as bad as all – negative two rushing yards, nine sacks, um, no – essentially no perimeter blocking, uh, two really goofy blown plays in the secondary, no pressure up front on the defensive side of the football. They They were actually still in the game. 
and had had chances to to you know I don't know if you call it win it or not. I mean, we, but but they were it's, they were in the game. Clemson was not in the game at the end of the game last night. It was over. No. You know, South Carolina was still in the game, and 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 so you like to think that well, if they could get a couple of things right, you know what you saw the other night really isn't that bad. So, you know, I, I'm the, the the defense though still can can as bad as the offense was. And I saw somebody earlier using foul language. Please don't do that again in our Nanosports chat box. The defense was on the field for 32 minutes. The offense was on the field for 28, okay? They were not on the field all night. It wasn't 40 to 20 or 42 to 18. They were on the field for four more minutes than South Carolina's offense. That's it. That's it. All right? And then I had somebody who's very highly uh, regarded who absolutely has the ability to have this opinion who said to me this weekend, I'm not sure why it takes all the way until halftime to make adjustments on defense. And this has been a trend. And and I don't I don't know the answer as to why that is. I have no idea. Um but but when he said that it was rather alarming to me. Uh so I, I but I don't know why. I, I you know, we see this from time to time, Phil, and you know they they go in giving up God only knows what, and then they come out of halftime and it's like a different club out there. You know, yeah. so you know, outside of a couple of games here and there, at Kentucky last year was one of them. You know, there there's been some sporadically kind of manufactured in there. It's it's rare that the defense kind of comes out and sets the tone. And they they usually have to adjust their tone at halftime. And and that just has I, 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 I'm not a big fan of that. I like defense, and and uh, I feel like they've been pretty underwhelming. And this defensive line, I mentioned earlier, give credit to North Carolina's guys because I think that they were highly recruited. Maybe they're finally playing well. I said this last week, and I'm you know I'm you know me, dude. I, I don't sit here for two hours every week and be critical of all things Carolina. Um, but I said this last week, and I'm saying it again. That defense last year had two five stars starting on it on the defensive line too. And yeah. this year there are a bunch of four stars up there. And you know, there was a time around here when the four stars and the five stars that played on the defensive line acted like it. And that time has not been in the recent past. And personally, I'd like to see that change. No, no, I concur. I mean, you know, and, and I don't know, it'll be interesting to see, as much as or as little as I really think we're going to find out over the next two weeks. But how much did the youth being thrust in there early Saturday kind of maybe prevent some of that adjusting uh, for even as well as Jalen Kilgore played? I mean, he's still a freshman. (laughs) I mean, you know, period. And then, you know, K1 Banks, same thing, played well, but, you know, inexperienced. Um, but, you know, fortunately that's, you know, a position group that we, you know, have a hundred percent confidence in the coach back there and Tori and gray. And like you just said, JB, there's been questions along that line, whether it be, you know, not getting the talent to produce up to its level or, you know, not, I'm not, I, I mean, I don't know. 
I'm not in there. I'm not hearing what these guys are saying and we're not inside their heads and we don't know how they feel. Um, right. But something's got to give. I mean, somebody's got to get in there and, 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 and shake those groups up. And hopefully, you know, like you said, Tuazama comes on. He was, you know, he's definitely an excellent pass rusher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we saw it at UAB and they play not just a, a terrible schedule every year. They have played power five opponents. Um, Maybe it just, you know, needs a little time to come together, but. I mean, my goodness, we we saw it underperform all last year, except for, you know, like bright spots with, you know, Tonka and Boogie, but they were virtually non-existent Saturday. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's, it, 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 they, it's, I know, it's, uh, it is, it's very baffling. Uh, talented guys whom everybody wanted. And you know what? Maybe it gets turned around sooner than later, but, you know, it's hard to look. We have to talk about what we saw, and that's what we saw for four quarters. I'll uh, get to a couple of things here, and then we'll uh, get our final break-in of the hour. Mike Morgan coming up at noon. Uh, Hunter says, most games the defense is on the field more than the offense, i.e. losing the time possession makes them tired. Four minutes is a long time on the field. What happened to, what happened to it being – I guess he doesn't like me, Phil. What happened to it just being JC and Phil? Well, Hunter, uh, let's see. It went from <laughs> 1,000 people a day that were maybe watching the show to 10,000. That's number yeah, one. We've grown um, it since JB's I've, got here. I've, I've been doing this for 10 years. You know nothing about anything. That's number one. If you want to get personal, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my phone number. You call me sometimes. I have a conversation, big boy. Um, number two, four minutes does not exhaust a defense like that. You act like no. these aren't college athletes that train for this all year long. That's BS. No. Okay, South Carolina's defense has been on the field for 35-plus minutes, and they've won games. Okay. And here's the thing. Right. It was, so that, that's number one. That's that guy's a yes take anyway. North Carolina ran one more play right. on Saturday than South Carolina ran. Yeah. <laughs> one play. Right. So yeah. it's that's, like that's you, just idiotic. Yeah. I mean, you're, you yeah. get your ass whipped up front on both sides of the line. It doesn't matter how long you're out there. <laughs> yeah. Because, hey, drives in quick when you're getting your butt kicked in the, in the trenches. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> That's just uh, crazy. All right. We need to step aside. Uh, Mike Morgan is due up at noon. So, everybody, hang tight. We will get his thoughts on this ball game and plenty more, including Clemson's loss last night. We're built by the Barndo Co., the Barndominium Co.com. You can build your dream home in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee for as low as $160 per square foot. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. 
visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Hey, everybody. This is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. Letmepaintsomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. See it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. segment here 1155 on this tuesday september the 5th inside the gamecocks the show served by our friends at chicken cock whiskey those of you who came this weekend uh to the pregame tailgate first of all thank you so much to uh billy g's barbecue uh, you know mr bill goss what a great guy um it for him and his crew doing what they did nana's porch our friend chris the food was unbelievable. I uh, couldn't couldn't thank them anymore for being there and being a part of it. Thanks to my my buddies at Chicken Cock and at uh, Dixie Vodka for supplying so much <laughs> pregame sauce, I guess, for everybody. Uh, it was fantastic. The bourbon didn't last long. I know that. No. Um, and and uh, thanks to Mark and you know known Mark Bryan a long time. Um, he's a great guy, and Hank and the guys from the Blue Dogs, Corey Miller, all of them for providing so much wonderful entertainment. It was great to see everybody out there. Um, and at Rescues and Resin, uh, if you haven't seen their unbelievable work, if you were there, you saw a lot of it. It was un- It's so cool. So Dustin and his wife, tremendous. Thanks to them for being there. I'm sure I've left somebody out, and I, I hope we didn't. Um, but most importantly, thanks to the fans. About 300 of you ended up showing up. And that was really, really fun. And it was a pleasure to meet all those that I did. And I know, Phil, for you, it was a pleasure to meet them and JC and, um, you know, 
appreciate guys like Connor for coming to get, you know, got to finally see Connor. I hadn't seen him in a while and talked to him for a while and the Carolina baseball team and all these guys, man, we had a great time, had a great time seeing, seeing everybody. So. Yeah, it was good Thank catching you. up to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, it really just like it, the outpouring of support was overwhelming and, and we really yeah. couldn't have asked for a, a better situation heading into the game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really, really appreciate it. We will do more in the future. Um, yep. We we only are uh, growing, as probably many of you have figured out by now, except for one of you, apparently. <laughs> but um, but uh, certainly, certainly looking forward to seeing everybody again at some point in time uh, down the road. All right, uh, just a couple of quick uh, little nuggets here, and then we will get to break and get Mr. Mike Morgan in, who I got it had a chance. Nick, I'm I'm not on edge at all, man. I just find it baffling that uh number one somebody apparently hadn't been around here since february shows up and tells me all about how defense works that's what he's saying is incorrect and uh i'm not threatening anybody instead of somebody talking trash in a you know if you want to talk trash in chat room and call me tell me what you got to say and that's the problem with the world today right i was giving him a chance so um that's it he could have responded <laughs> and he didn't all right. That's what happens. He chose not to. He chose not to. So uh, that's. And we'd be remiss about not if we do not mention the name Xavier Leggett. Leggett, what a what a game! What a performance! Oh yeah. man, yeah. talk about hype from the summer matching. You know, on field, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be hard to keep you know double coverage off of him now. Yeah. And then I thought Luke Doty's a you know. Turned out pretty pretty darn good little receiver there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he played really well. Mm-hmm. Played really well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He looked great. I mean, Xavier, I, I it was pretty neat to see Rattler spread it around like he did too. I know Josh Simon had, ended up getting four catches in the game. Uh, DeCaron had five. Let's see, Doty had three. Marion had three. Should have had four, of course. Yeah. Um, Juju had three, Trey had two. I mean, so he, you know, Peyton Mangrum had a catch in there as well. But yeah, Leggett, uh, Xavier Leggett was was certainly the guy. And and the sooner Juice Wells gets healthy, the better because those two out there at the same time is going to be could be could be really unique if they can solve some of those problems up front. And um, and I'll tell you, and we'll leave it here because I know we got to go, and Mike Morgan is is waiting, but. Um, You know, I I mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier, and I'm not a offensive coordinator, Phil, as you well know, not an offensive coordinator. Um, but thought they probably should have gone to the quick game a little bit sooner. You mentioned kind of maybe resetting the pocket, rolling your quarterback out like they did at times last year towards the end of the season. Where um, and and there's something to that. You know, if you've got pressure coming from that side, I'm not so sure that that's always going to work. But one of the things that we didn't see on Saturday either was just a good old-fashioned screen, you know. And sometimes if they're just sending the bullets and you just dump it in right behind them, that's going to at least slow some of that down from time to time. So, I don't know. Dow Loggins has a, a lot that he's got to get sewed up as quickly as he can and certainly looking forward to Saturday night to see if he can, can do so. When we get back... Mike Morgan will give his thoughts on the game. Clemson falling last night. How about how good does Florida State look? Prime and much, much more. Hang tight inside the Gamecocks. 
the show from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be right back. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. You Welcome back everybody there, huh, inside the Game Thoughts of the show. I got, I got Mike here. I got so much going on. And so I took that extra day off, completely forgot how to produce the, the show. So <laughs> welcome in, Mike. Good to have you. What's up, guys? How are you? <laughs> doing well, yeah. doing well. Caught me off guard there. I was not paying attention. Yeah. I was I ready. For the record, I don't know about you guys. I, I was ready. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude, you were. <laughs> oh, I'm just studio. saying. Yeah. Yeah. The consummate professional that you are, Mike. Thank you. We appreciate it. And one of the things that that has not left me is punctuality. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I used to hate it when I uh, hosted a daily show for many years and guests were uh, late for whatever reason. Like, just if you're going to be late, just give me a good reason, please, and give me a heads up. Uh, So if I do that, if I start racking up demerits, you have you both have permission to publicly scold me and maybe uh, publicly cane me at the next uh, remote event. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we have enough caning as a form of punishment. I think that's, that's a lost art. You know, Uh, the guillotine had a good run, the gas chamber, but I, I, uh, I think public caning, you know, you're not killing the person, but you're getting your point across. I think we need to bring that back. Yeah, uh, uh, okay, I'm with you. Uh, let's do it. We will uh, discuss that in our next production meeting. Please, please. And um, and that'll be a part of the, the future of uh, the Chief Sports Network. All right, Mike, um, we're going to lead off, of course, uh, with, with South Carolina. Gamecocks fall 31-17 uh, 
to North Carolina. It was it was a scene that seemed set up for South Carolina from early in the morning. I mean, college game day was electric, and uh, there was about eighty percent of the fans out there. I would I would say were representing the Garnet and Black. Um, the large majority of people that were at the game were representing the Garnet and Black, and you just felt like they were the the fan base had done their part, and that was it was natural. It would just roll right into the football team, and they just go out there and do what they're supposed to do. Gamecock fans aren't going to lose a tailgate opportunity. No, or they, they going to lose a game day. Like every time I remember, I mean, I was there the first game day. This is goes back to the Lou Holtz era, um, and and there there were a couple more subsequent to that, and every time, I mean, it, it's cliche and it sounds kind of. Um, you know, it's almost like when a when a stand up comedian goes out there and he doesn't have much material, but he's just like, "How's everybody doing tonight?" Yeah. Uh, woo! So if you just go out there and say Gamecock fans are the best, it, it's an easy applause line. But truth be told, and again, I, I I have a chance to look at this now from a from a unique viewpoint. Um, I've been at a lot of college campuses over the years, and a lot. The Gamecock fans don't do not disappoint. There, there's no doubt about that. They continually bring it. Uh, they they show up. They show out time in time again. It always looks good on television, uh, whether it's in Columbia or at a remote site or at a respectable bowl game. So that that part, I I think we all had confidence. Like Carolina fans were not going to let anybody down. The game itself. <laughs> I was a little concerned, guys, if we're going to be honest. People have been talking about this game for a while. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know any better, and this is not just Gamecock fans and Gamecock media members. This is a lot of national people. Kept talking about the game as if the Gamecocks were the four-point favorite and not the Tar Heels. Vegas clearly saw something in this matchup that a lot of people didn't. And even when Tez Walker was ruled ineligible and they basically were without their top two wide receivers, the line didn't move. Yeah. It it, it just it just held firm. Uh what was it they saw? I, I'll I'll say this, and this goes back to something we've been talking about in the offseason, because it wasn't that long ago. I was in Chapel Hill. I was sitting in a room with Mac Brown, Gene Chiswick, Drake May, and uh I, we called the Tar Heel Spring Game, mm-hmm. and this game, and for that matter, this season, was a mea culpa game for Mac Brown, for Gene Chiswick, and all those four-star recruits in the front seven of that defense that were soft, and that was the word that was used the entire off season with that program. We're tired of playing like a soft program. We realize that is our reputation. We realize we had the ACC player of the year last year in Drake may. We had a lot of good uh, talented players and we won some games. But the reason why we ended on the skids is because we were soft. And so they spent the entire Drake May takes care of himself. You don't need to like do extra extra uh, film work with him. But they wanted to make sure that everything they did was with the thought in mind that they are going to stop being soft and start being a more physical team. 
You saw that on display Saturday. And this by no means takes away from the ineptitude of the Gamecocks offensive line, which clearly is a concern. I, I, I mean, I think we all knew it was a concern. I didn't realize it was that bad. And maybe they maybe they write the ship. Uh, I caught some of your first hour, and I, I, Phil brought up a good point. You're not going to have an answer to this, in my opinion, to week four in Mississippi State. You're not going to learn anything if you dominate Furman. You're not going to learn anything if you get dominated by what many p- people consider the best defense in college football in Georgia. You're not going to learn much. Right. Mississippi State is that game where, all right, are you guys any better or not? Are, are you going to be able to compete up front or are you not? Uh, one stat that clearly stood out to me, and I know we all like to you know, kind of find that, that overarching staff, uh, stat that maybe trumps some of the other ones. Tackles for loss. Gamecocks oh. won. Tar Heels yeah. 16. Like It wasn't yeah. even just sacks. Yeah. You, they're in the backfield all game long. Yeah, They're in the backfield all game long. Uh, Gene Chizik is a multinational championship coordinator for a reason. He saw things on film. They knew what they were doing. Uh, and they had to know that this was an offensive line that was suspect. And when you when you go out there, I don't know what the if the criticism has been at all toward the play calling. It, it shouldn't be. Your playbook shrinks when you can't block. Everything and then has to turn into the quick passing game. And when you're down two scores, the quick passing game, it's hard to mount a comeback. One other observation I will say, you don't realize how much of a factor changing the rule to not stop the clock on a first down is until you're playing from behind. And then you realize, holy smokes, we don't have enough plays to do what we need to do. Uh, and if it's a tie game, you really don't even notice it or care about it. But when you're down and you know you're going to have to march down the field multiple drives and, and to get back in the game, that's mm-hmm. when you really notice the clock doesn't stop. This game is going to we're, we're going to run out of time, even if we get something going, which Carolina clearly did not. Final final observation. I can't say enough about Spencer Rattler in this game. And this is not sugarcoating and it's not sunshine pumping and whatever other terms somebody might want to use. That kid played his ass off and the body, I kept looking at the body language and I kept expecting the sulking, the looking at the offensive line and shaking my head, letting everybody know it's not my problem. It's not my fault. It's their fault. Clearly, He didn't do that nonsense. He stayed in there and he competed till the very end and he didn't throw anybody under the bus, and he did not give anything less than maximum effort throughout. You might say, well, that's what he should do. That's what a lot of quarterbacks simply do not do. There's a lot of front runners in college football that are really good when things are going their way, and they don't mind uh, taking their foot off the gas when it's not going their way. He had every opportunity to take his foot off the gas. He did not. I think that bodes well down the road because you're going to have other games of adversity. But obviously, the number one thing, it all starts up front, and that's something that has to be improved. I can't imagine it would be much worse from this point on, but but clearly it's got to be improved starting week two against Furman. But again, you won't know how much it really – your true barometer is week four against Mississippi State. I hate to say that. I want answers quick as quickly as anybody else, but I don't think you're going to get them in weeks two and three. 
Yeah, yeah, Mike. I, I think. Well, first of all, great point on on Rattler, and we were talking about Xavier Leggett earlier, and and just how far yeah, he's another one. South Carolina has they they've got some players, and we know that. Um, but it's it's a matter of whether you can get some of these other things straightened out to get it all figured out. I, I want to flip the page though to the North Carolina side of things because I mentioned at the top of the program that there are multiple things that can be true at the same time. And instead of it having to be one or the other. And, uh, you know, we, we saw from the Garnet and Black Gamecock side of things this weekend, as, as you just pointed out, pretty porous up front. That includes everybody, the offensive line, the tight ends, et cetera, et cetera. I thought once again, the defense, though, um, you know, I, I, they, they just they don't get pressure. And, I, and I'm not sure why. There are some things that need to be worked on there. At the same time, you've you've given some credit to North Carolina and you saw their spring game. And um, and I mentioned earlier that, you know, they have signed good players and, and we haven't seen those players play to the potential that you would probably think they would. And South Carolina has signed really good players at similar positions. But North Carolina's players played better than theirs did this weekend on mm -hmm. both lines of scrimmage. Um, I wouldn't really go as far as to say as the wide receivers were that much better or something like that. And. I think Drake Make is an outstanding talent, but I think Spencer Rattler played very well this weekend. But I, I, I'm just, you know, if you're South Carolina and you feel like you have good talent, especially on the defensive line, and they do. They had two five-stars that started last year. They're in the NFL now. Or one of them's at Oregon, the other one's in the NFL. Yeah. North Carolina recruited the same guys. They've recruited the same guys. And mm -hmm. their guys are that much better to – is it well, a they were, North Carolina? Where do we, do we find any balance in that statement? What are what are we looking at? Well, a, again, it it is it's overreaction week, right across the country. You know, Colorado's going to win the national championship. Clearly, um, <laughs> Florida State is going to is is you know twenty five points better, whatever it was in LSU. Clearly, it's overreaction week. I, I'm not sitting here and telling you that. The get the Gamecocks uh, are that far behind the eight ball. I, I'm just not because I've seen this too many times where a team gets beaten week one against a quality opponent. That again, perception in the state of South Carolina. Was there anybody in the South Carolina media that picked the Tar Heels to win this game? I would I would wager to say no. Yeah, not unless you're just it. like the contrarian guy. I mean, I think there's one of those out there, but but excluding that, um everybody was just picking the Gamecocks like it was candy. It, it, like it was just a just a stroll through the ballpark, just a matter of routine that we're a better team, thinking mindset of, of your average Gamecock. We're a better team than North Carolina. Come on. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, this is clearly a different Tar Heel team, and it's not all Drake May. Now, I didn't anticipate the front seven all of a sudden play like that because they hadn't. But that's why you coach. I mean, that's why Gene Chizik is there and making a lot of money. He had a cushy job at the SEC Network, but he clearly wanted to keep coaching and wanted to do things uh, uh, at the coaching level. Again, he was hungry to kind of prove that the people that fired him in the past were wrong. He knows how to scheme things up uh, and, and, and did so. I, I'll, I'll say one other observation, and I know um, I'm, I'm going – long-winded in the first segment i gotta pace myself nope. we're going we're going 90 today right we got yeah phil uh, phil hmm? hello yeah oh. yeah yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, take we'll take this up to beamer's press conference you're okay with that right 
Yeah, I can I can work that today. I can work. That. Look at me. I got on live on li- the live on the show. No, we're just putting I, Phil was, on the spot. <laughs> I have no. I have a I have a sheet of paper right here of things to do today, and I got stuck working on some equipment this morning, and I never. It's my fault. I sent it to him, but it, that's um, okay. So let me say this: chew on this, everybody. Uh, there were three games that I was particularly curious about this week that all involved SEC teams. The first one started on Thursday night, Utah, Florida. The second one was the Battle of the Carolinas. The third one was uh, last night, or I'm sorry, two – no, last Sunday. night. No, no, Florida State, LSU. Yeah, two nights ago. I'm sorry, Florida yeah, State, yeah. LSU. Duke-Clemson. <laughs> I'm sure we'll you guys, get to that. You, we're I'm sure, yeah, we're getting, we're getting around to that. I've got a lot of thoughts on that too. Um, okay, so there, the SEC only played three ranked opponents, Utah, Florida State, North Carolina. The SEC lost all three by an average of 16 points per game. Mm-hmm. I watch. I watched every play of all three of those games. If I didn't see it live, I DVR'd it. I watched it. When I come on here, you're going to know I've seen every Gamecock play, and I've seen a lot of plays from the games that I think are relevant uh, to Carolina in one way or another. In the case of LSU, Florida State, LSU made some ridiculously bad red zone offense decisions in that first half that cost them. And I'm a Brian Kelly proponent, but you got to take the points sometime. Hubris does not win you big games like that. When you can't move the ball on first down and goal, second down and goal, and third down and goal, you don't go for it on fourth down and goal. You take the points. They didn't. They paid for it. They paid for it dearly. Again, they had another opportunity. Uh, you could question the play calling. You could question a lot of things. They made a lot of bad plays and decisions in that game. That's one. Let's go to Utah, Florida. Florida, for those that watched that game, looked like an undisciplined, disorganized. It it looked like they just skipped fall practice. Complete embarrassment by Billy Napier and company. Uh, There's no way they should have been just absolutely ragdolled by Utah. They were. It, it was the game wasn't even that close. It was an absolute blowout. What separates those two games from the game you saw in Charlotte Saturday night is that the game in Charlotte was competitive through late to late in the fourth quarter. I mean, that second interception, you're still in the game. You could say what 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 do fans like to do the most after a loss is second guess play calling. What are you going to second-guess play calling-wise? Like, I don't think it was a play calling issue. I don't think the coaching staff didn't have them prepared. The team never quits under Shane Beamer. They got beat in the trenches. Clearly, right. I mean, just pure T, plain and simple. I'm not saying one way to lose is better than another or less. I mean, it, it all sucks. When you lose, it sucks. But I watched the Florida team look like they hadn't practiced all, all August. I watched an LSU team make some – insanely bad decisions, key spots, key moments of the game. And I watched a Gamecock team that just couldn't block anybody, and therefore everything fell apart based on that. So take that for what it is, but it was not a great weekend for the SEC in those three matchups. By the way, you're going to have five of them this week that are going to determine just how much people are in love with this conference. Bama, Texas, Arizona, Mississippi State, Auburn, Cal, Ole Miss, Tulane, and A&M, Miami. We're going to find out what the SEC is truly made of. Uh, but for one weekend, all three of those games did not fare well for the league. But I thought the reason why the Gamecocks lost compared to the other two 
it wasn't it wasn't nearly the same formula. Put take that for what it's worth. It's not going to make anybody feel any better. Heck, it might even make you feel worse if you feel like the offensive line is an unfixable situation. That's everybody's biggest fear today, right? Like you cannot get it right because the personnel just it is what it is. I think one of the most important stats we never talk about when breaking down a forecast for a team is returning starts combined for offensive line. So you take those five guys up front. What is their aggregate total of starts on the offensive line? Because offensive line is not its not a star system position. It is really a continuity position, more so than every other position on the field. And you guys know the, the, the number better than I do, but it looked like an offensive line that had not played a whole lot together and quite well, frankly – Well, I I mean, I've been joking for two weeks about what if I told you the day after they won or got beat by Notre Dame, so December 31st, Mm -hmm. that South Carolina's starting offensive line this year would have a walk-on transfer from Charlotte at left tackle, Mm -hmm. a left guard from Yale, Mm -hmm. and a right tackle, or maybe now a left tackle, but doesn't matter, from winless Western Illinois. And, you know, we, we, you know, the only stuff that, that we got as guys who have sources is that, Hey, you know, they, they have been coming together and playing. Okay. Well, that wasn't okay. That was anything, but on, on Saturday, maybe, maybe they, maybe they had practice against their own guys. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's just what we were told, but they look terrible. Here's the point though. Perception might be reality. Reality might be reality right mike like you're uh, starting, there, there's no question like yeah, I, I i don't want to scare anybody here but i mean right. digest what i just said for a second we 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 don't know what we don't know we don't know if it comes together and gels and gets better over time or if it it's simply uh it's one of those where it's a byproduct of they don't have the talent and therefore it can only get so much better i, I don't know the answer to that question on september I, the 5th agreed you know, yeah, that's and that's one of the disadvantages I, of our I, schedule being so front loaded this year is because I mean, you're you're going you're asking that line to gel basically in one week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I need it in top form for the next 3. <laughs> right. And to to have like to to not get buried into the schematics of things with you Mike and just just to have the 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 10,000 foot view type conversation you know, like there are when you when you look at it, you pointed out that offensive line and, and that's an underestimated stat and this that, and the other. And you look around the SEC, generally the offensive lines, unless it's a Georgia or Alabama who signs these the, the one guy, the one guy every year, you know, the one right. freshman that you sign who's six, seven, three fifty moved, comes in and he's going to be the first pick in the draft. Like not everybody right. can sign that guy who came out of the player. womb as a first round draft. Pick. Right. Exactly. Right. Like not everybody gets that guy. Okay. No. And then, who knows? Carolina might have a couple of for next year, but that's another conversation. But my point is, is perception might be reality when you think about what I said just a minute ago. So the question becomes, how good can you make that reality and how quickly can you get it there? And, and we just don't know the answer to that going back to what you said earlier about Mississippi State. Let me point out one other thing real quick, though. One other thing real quick, because you mentioned the play call. The best drive of the game for South Carolina was their second drive. The one where on Joyner took it into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about play calling. That was an unscripted drive. And that was a, okay, we've, we've for, for now, 
we figured out who they are, what they're doing, and here's what we're going to do about it. And they did it. They did it pretty much exactly what they wanted to. I think it was eight plays, 75 yards or something like that. We didn't see that out of South Carolina's offense until like the third week of the season last year, right. if not more than that. So I think there's some good stuff in there. Um, but obviously, we all know what the what the conversation pieces are going to be this week, and you can't ignore those. And, and by the way, let me just let me just add this: by no means are we saying that uh, the, the Gamecocks didn't make any other mistakes, or that the play calling was perfect, or that I mean, there were errors. There's always going to be errors, especially in Week One. Uh, I watched Drake May, a surefire top five pick, with a two touchdown lead, throw two ill advised interceptions to help the Gamecocks still have hope in the fourth quarter of that game. You know, that's right. that's not the way they drew it up. So stuff like that's going to happen. Uh, but for the most part, like when I compare it to the way LSU lost, the way Florida lost in their big interconference showdowns, this was a different deal. This was a different animal altogether. Uh, Carolina didn't lose this game because of play calling or a bunch of mental mistakes. It didn't look like an unprepared football team, and they sure as hell didn't show any quit the fourth quarter. They got beat up front, 16 tackles for loss to one. It's really hard to win a football game that way against a comparable opponent, which is certainly what the Tar Heels are. Now, five weeks from now, we can make a better assessment of just how good North Carolina is, just how good that front seven is. Um, I don't have the answers to all that now. And again, I, I, I don't, based on week one, I don't make giant suppositions on how good teams are, players are, uh, offensive lines are, et cetera, et cetera. But you're clearly going to have to sure that up. The other thing is, I mean, there's certainly um, on defense the search, and I realize, you know, you lose your your stud safety on like the first – is that the first drive? Help me if I'm – Yeah, first play. First play of the game. First play of the game. For one and went right yeah. out. Yeah. And you lose and Juice Wells is clearly not a factor on offense. I mean, look, nobody wants to now, hear now you got Mo Cobb out for the season again. Yeah. yeah. And it's and I, I don't think anybody Awful. would say the strength of this team is its depth. So that's that's a concern. But but the defense, like, where are the game breakers? So like I always think of it on, on the opposite side. Like, so if I'm in that, for example, in week one, if I'm in that Tar Heel offensive room and breaking down film, who scares me on the Gamecock defense? Right? Yeah, who, who, well, like, oh man, we, we gotta we gotta ship him. We gotta we, we gotta stay away from him on the passing game. We got we we th- this guy can't be blocked. Like who who is that guy? Yeah, apparently nobody right now. I mean, the the, the only well, one that you really the game plan to avoid dial in the passing game. That's the well, only yeah, one. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think Mike's talking about up front though. Targeted, but one, yeah, once, yeah, but no, maybe. Carolina's corners are good. There's no problem with O'Donnell Fortune and Marcel's dial. It's Mike. To your point, it's up front. It's and that was Carolina's issue on the, the flip side. They, yeah. You know, Chiswick. When Chiswick, you know Gene. You know him mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, Gene. Gene is. I don't care what message board fodder is. Gene Chizik is a good defensive coordinator. There's a Always reason. Has been. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason why he's had the opportunities he's had. Um, when he spelled blood in the water on Saturday night, he sent the sharks. Oh yeah, and they kept yeah, eating. They, that's the thing. Like I don't. I don't think they actually knew they were going to have that big of an advantage on the line of scrimmage going in, but you certainly pick up on it. And I guarantee you, when they were in halftime meetings, Gene Chizik is telling his players, they can't block us 
we are going to just cause absolute havoc and hell here the rest of this game, and they won't know what to do about it. And they didn't. And you right. can't run, right? So you're you're insanely predictable. They were not worried about the Gamecocks running the football at all. And we can talk about the running backs another another segment. Uh, I guess I just assumed <laughs> that even though you lose your top guy to Southern Cal, I thought there was enough there. Like, if you remember, we did the over-under prop bet on Spencer Rattler, 297 and a half yards. Now, that happened to hit over. It's not really indicative of the game. When you're playing catch-up and you're just having to throw on every down, you're going to put up some numbers. Um, but really, I, I picked the under because I thought, I thought the Gamecocks would be able to run some. Boy, was I, 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 that was the thing I was most wrong about. They could not run the ball at all. And again, obviously, a lot of that is the line, but I'm starting to be a little bit uh, concerned about, is this backfield, like, it, it, is it a difference maker? Is it, or is it just, you know, suitable, or is it a difference maker? Yeah, I, well, they're not a difference maker. They're, are they serviceable? Can't excuse me. Can they be serviceable? Don't know. I think they can, but the, are they a difference maker? I, I personally will be surprised. I mean, you got that. you got a first a guy who's played everywhere but running back for the most part, and then you got a guy who's small, who who actually got a touchdown in goal line. By the way, probably is actually the best running back on the team. But right. his size clearly hurts him. He can't take right. it times again. And and I'll admit, I mean, I. I, I just I take for, it for granted that SEC teams typically can stockpile enough running backs that it's it's usually not a big issue, right? right? Like clearly, you know, everybody wants like Saquon Barkley, and you want like some just stud among all studs. But for the most part, just about every SEC team has a quality running back. Some have two, some have three, but you're but rarely do you have a situation where like, well, nobody do you feel that confident and giving the football 15 to 20 times. And I, I'm not saying that's the case here. It's only one game. One game returns. But um, maybe maybe it's a maybe it's a little more of an issue than than I would have thought coming in. 1231. Like, why you didn't see the other one? Sorry not to cut you off, JB. But it was like, you know, or is it, is it like, well, we don't want to put in the freshman because he's not that good at pass protection. Or, you know, it was like. Is it is it the procedural things keeping the other two off the field? And if that's the case, then what do you got to lose throwing them out there when you know is like because here's the thing: good teams will run the ball effectively when everyone knows they're running the ball. <laughs> so you know, and I mean that starts not going to be the case with this offense. Yeah, it starts <laughs> up front, so it's going to be tough for this offense. But if you've got a more dynamic running back back there who just doesn't happen to grasp the scheme of maybe pass pro, then put him in there for the running downs and run another one in for pass protection. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot, a lot of questions. Of, a lot of questions. A lot of questions. A lot of questions and a lot of answers forthcoming. All right, we do need to step aside. It's 1232 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, uh, dressed today by our friends, at Britons of Columbia, BritonsofColumbia.com. I absolutely love this shirt. Didn't even realize that I was wearing it. Can't thank Perry and his team enough. It is awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, make sure you find them at BritonsofColumbia.com. Go in there and get sized up for your next suit or just go by and see Perry and the whole team for some of the best Gamecock gear out there. 
It is classy, classy, classy. That is for sure. Uh, Mike, when we return, I thought that they were just going to continue hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, and then today we'd all be having the conversation of, boy, Clemson sure pulled another one out. But Duke had other thoughts, and they punished the Tigers late and steamrolled them in the season opener in Durham. We'll talk about that right here with Mike Morgan on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Twelve thirty-six. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks. The show. 
We're going to take you all the way up to Shane Beamer's press conference today at 1.30. So we will sign off just a tad before that and uh, and let Shane fill us in on the bad news of Mo Caba. And it's just – that is heartbreaking. I got to meet Mo, and he is a super guy. And you tear one ACL one year and one the next. Um, when you're a linebacker – he only played one play, right? Yeah, before last year. Yeah, last year he played one and a half games before it happened. I mean, yeah. this poor kid. You talk about just. I mean, that's just awful. I mean, just oh my gosh, that's just awful. Um, I see John here in the chat box. How can you send a, a question? Hey, John, if you've downloaded our app, the Chief Sports app, you can click on the connect button in there, and um, both of the network. Uh, opportunities and the I don't know what your question is but you can go you can email me directly the network opportunities and marketing and advertising sections and that'll come right right to me um and um not saying that that's what you're asking but uh, you can do that or you can obviously click on the chief media button as well and my my email is on there so it's y'all like ever need to get hot father I mean that's like you're you're right there in front of the godfather Vito Corleone yeah, and, then you, and you say, "Godfather, here's what I'm, what I wanted this meeting for." Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it. Mike, Mike Morgan will tell you, "Hey, look, anytime you need to get a hold of any of us, you just pull up that app. You'll find us." That's uh, right. That's, uh, Love that's the cheap app. You know, the app We're is uh, that's for sure. The ga- app is a game changer, um, and it has been more dramatically than y'all could ever possibly imagine. All right. Um, <laughs> Mike, last night uh, Clemson was thumped twenty-eight to seven, twenty-two to nothing. They were outscored in the second half by the Duke Blue Devils, and um, you know, I, I watching that game, watching Cade Klubnik in that game reminded me an awful lot of Spencer Rattler at the beginning of last season with Marcus Satterfield. Just watching his mannerisms, um, watching his comfort level in running the offense. I know that obviously Clemson had some some awful turnovers in there, which they have been prone to do for a while now. It happened in the South Carolina game last year a few times, and that certainly affected the outcome of that ball game. But um, but I, I never felt like Cade Klubnick was really comfortable with what he was doing. Clemson loses. Uh, on in the season opener, they were a team that a lot of folks felt like wasn't being talked about enough in the preseason. But uh, they'll certainly be talked about plenty today after what happened in Durham. I thought that was the best offensive coordinator on the planet. Well, I you know that's kind of what I was told. Well, but, he's uh, consistent. You know. The last game he coordinated, he put up seven points, and they got <laughs> seven points again. I mean, there's Ouch. something to be said for consistency. <laughs> Mad dog from the top rope. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I I I watched that game uh, last night in amazement. I actually got off to a late start and tuned in. I kept looking at the score because I wasn't in front of a TV, and I'm like, that yeah. can't be right. Clemson's still sitting on whatever it was, six points at the time, or seven points or zero points. And and I'm like, what's what's going on here? I got, I got to see this. And your, your, your point is spot on. The offense looked, it was a very uncomfortable fit for Klubnik, who clearly is skilled, athletic, has, has all those tools. But 
but also at times looked a little disoriented as did the whole offense. It's an interesting deal. They went for 200 rushing, 200 passing, mm-hmm. and still and still did lost you, the game. Do you see their scored. record? Do you see Clemson's like record? Is it no, no. Six, but well, 16 and 0 under Dabo. Yeah. yeah. 103 and 0. Yeah, all time. Yeah. 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 I mean, when you go 200 200, it's almost impossible to score seven points. Yeah. Like you got to, you got to try. Uh, but again, they were a comedy of errors. They were like offensive red zone. They were LSU versus Florida State on steroids. They, they took everything LSU did wrong and said, we can do even worse. Uh, it was incredible. I, I warned people about Riley Leonard. I'm telling you, that kid's going to be in the NFL. It might be as a backup for 12 years, but is, is anybody out here that won't take that job? Speaking um, of, it worked out for Charlie Whitehurst. He's, yeah, exactly. Or Chase, Chase, Chase Daniel, guys, I mean, like $100 million. He's thrown like seven passes in his That's career. right. He finally Maybe. retired. He's actually in broadcasting now, Chase. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, Leonard, is, Leonard provided the biggest plays. And then the defense, like Mike Elko, I don't know how much, how long they're going to be able to keep Mike Elko. Uh, I had him last year, and when you sit down and you you talk with Mike Elko, there's just something up. There's a calm over him. There's a we 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 get it. Like we we know there's a process here. It was a really like that hire was made, and like eh, Mike Elko, Duke, that's cute. Mike Elko already nine wins last year, and now. The biggest wins since what? 1989, when they beat a top 10 Clemson team under one Steve Spurrier, who won the Who, who was there game. last night? He's been in the building for both of these wins. He loves him some Duke. Always remember, remember yes. he used to always put Duke in the preseason top 25 when he voted in the yeah. coaches' polls. Yeah. As mm-hmm. an homage to, to, to Duke. He always credits Duke with really did, uh, generating his career. Hold on, hold on just a second here, Mike. Let's see who does. Uh, okay, so September thirtieth, the Dukies they've got Notre Dame coming to town. My gut tells me they're going to have a private jet in Gainesville the day before <laughs> to bring Spurrier up right? the road because this cat every time he's there when they've got a top ten yeah. team they win. Oh, and and if you. Uh, like when you walk through the, the, the bowels of Wallace Wade, I mean, it's pictures all over of that Spurrier 89 team um, because that's probably never going to be done again in our lifetime. Like Duke is not going to win another ACC championship in college football. I don't know. They're in first place right now. Yes, they, they, they are. They're in a, they're in a good spot right now. <laughs> Easy, Mike. Come on, give it. It's, it's not even 12 hours removed. From I just thing. pumped it's up burning. Mike Elko. Hey, for the record, I just told you how Mike Elko is so good that they're going to have trouble keeping him, that Riley Leonard's going to be in the NFL, which I've said now for the last 12 months. And they, they outcoached uh, Clemson in, in a number of ways. Like, yeah, they gave up a lot of yards – but they, it was almost like a bend don't break throughout the entire game, and Clemson took those yards, but they, but they clearly didn't cash in. The, the bigger story moving forward, uh, and I know we don't want to spend too much time on Clemson on the show, even though after a loss no, to no. Duke, maybe they yeah, will. <laughs> hey, uh, um, oh, hey, this thing would happen to us after. Look, yeah, guys, that. don't That's look true. now, but guess what? When that when Notre Dame comes to town. Duke's going to be four and zero. Just kind of an FYI to everybody. Okay, they, okay. They've got Lafayette, Northwestern, and UConn up next. There you go. Yeah, it, or, yeah. Duke doesn't exactly well, uh, schedule. Here comes college game day to Durham. Here comes Durham, college. Durham. When's the last time they were? Have they ever been? Think, no, I don't think. Because so. last year they did what? They went to um, 
They had never been there before. Where'd they go last year where they had no? Oh, uh, Kansas. That's right. Kansas. It was justified. Yes. Kansas so this, was 4 This year's basketball school is. Right, right, right. So so maybe maybe that's uh, in the cards. But no, the bigger question right now that, I, that Clemson fans are asking and that national pundits are asking is, what the hell has happened? Like, how do you go from playoff, 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 was it six in a row, two national championships, another couple that they lost in the championship game. And it's, it's not like the wheels are completely falling off. Like, they're winning 10 games a year. But clearly, it's not you, just the eye test. It's not the same level of talent. You, where are the stud wide receivers that Clemson seemed to be just churning out like nothing? Like they were just stockpiling them the way Alabama was. I don't see them there. I'm sure there's a guy on that roster that's going to be in the NFL, but it's not like what it was. They don't seem to have the same overall collection of talent at Clemson that they did. And, you know, the other thing is, too, and you cannot underestimate this, they had a really good thing going that's almost unheard of. They kept their staff together for years. Yeah. I mean, he had the same guys, the same coordinators for years. And, of course, one of them now is the head coach of Oklahoma. Another one now is the head coach of Virginia. They've lost other guys. When you dismantle all that, it does take a toll. And it it finally – like Alabama can get away with that at Nick Saban. Dabo Sweeney can't get away with that at Clemson. They, they, they clearly that, – that has hurt them in their overall product on the field. Yeah, I – hey – Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm but I'm I'm pretty sure that both Chad Morris and um, Jeff Scott are off-field staff members, right? Not positive on that. I know they have a lot of uh, kind of legacy guys yeah. that are on that staff. So I I wouldn't surprise because I haven't heard of either one of those guys doing much else. I mean, no, it didn't. Certainly didn't work out for Chad. Well, they got Taj up there. Worse. I guess I could text Taj and see what these guys are doing up there. Well, Mike, but, do you think there's something to be made of the the whole commentary that you know Dabo is not adjusting to the game itself with portal additions portal. and you know, yeah, trying to do well, it the old school way, bringing in. Recruits I, I think there's something to up. that. Uh, yeah. Look, Phil, if if it's a great question. If Alabama and Nick Saban felt like they had to go to the portal to get a Jameer Gibbs, to get a Buckner who didn't start, but they clearly wanted an insurance policy if Milrow turns out he can't throw the football. And we right. really we still don't entirely know that based on Middle Tennessee State. If Alabama has to go to the portal, if LSU is going to the portal, if Georgia is going to the portal, if Ohio State is going to the portal, if Southern Cal is going, what makes Clemson so special to think that they are going to win in today's day and age without the portal? What you're what you're taking a bet on is that our culture is so good that it'll yeah. overcome the portal. And I think the answer to that is no, that's not true. You have to be a player in the portal. You have to. If you're going to play championship football in this day and age, it's the reason why Colorado, like, yeah, they turned over 80-something players. They don't win that game without the portal. Right. In the old days, when you took over a miserable situation like Dion did in Boulder, you had no chance 
because the roster would just it was not a fair fight. But nowadays, in the era of the portal, you can become competitive quickly. And if you're already good, you can become great. And if you're already great, you can stay great by filling whatever holes happen through attrition through the portal. You don't have to groom that 18-year-old freshman for three years anymore. You just go in the portal, and you go from young to old that quick. Yeah, I think that um, I, I think Clemson, look, they've got a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent. Okay, we know that. But I, I, I texted somebody last night. I said, you know, I you can you can see, you can see. I don't want to say the fall, but the slip. And I think you know it was just said here in in our our chat box that the big big difference then to now were the quarterbacks. I mean, they had, they, they had the best quarterbacks in the country. They had Deshaun Watson, and then they had Trevor Lawrence, and they don't have that anymore. And um, I think one of the things that really caught my attention last night, outside of that strange rule, which, by the way, Dabo even said after the game, that, that was the correct call because it was on fourth down. and it and That would trip gone. me up. It did, it, it did <laughs> and, me, too. It I, did. That seems to make sense, but the way it's written, it's correct. That I pride correct. myself in the rules. I, I, you know, I'm on conference calls every year, going over the new rule changes and 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 head of officiating. I've never seen that call happen in that way in a college football game. No, I haven't either. Because generally, it never happens on fourth down, and if it does, it right. doesn't happen when the quarterback. There's a lot going into that. The quarter, you're down when you attempt the slide. Right. And, and and so you had all the components that made for really a wacky outcome. Um, you know, personally speaking, I didn't I didn't you know, I, I, I didn't feel bad for Clemson at all. Um, but I could certainly understand why somebody may have been, you know, a little bit perturbed because it's the way the rules written. They, they got it right, which is most important. But I, I, I guess what I'm getting at here is um, one of the things that really caught my attention last night had nothing to do with what happened in the game. It's what happened after the game when Coach Sweeney said, well, no, you know, we brought Garrett in to run the Clemson offense. What is that? Because, I mean, you know, I I was unaware. Mike, maybe you're aware. But I'm, I, I was unaware that schools themselves had their own offense. I mean, I've watched Nick Saban <laughs> for the last 10 years evolve his offense into the players and the, and the coaches that he had on staff. And that kind of turned itself into the Alabama offense. No. I guess I misunderstood. Clemson has an offense, and then you just bring in guys who have, you know, t- talent or I don't know, and they, they have to do that thing. Yeah. Whatever that is. But I don't know why Dabo would say that. I mean, clearly it's the coordinator's offense. Uh, yeah. Right. The, Look, the, the magic of Dabo, sometimes the, the, the most brilliant thing you can know the most brilliant thing you can know in life is what you don't know. He's not a play caller. Never has been. He got the job for other reasons. I mean, Dion's not a play caller, right? But what he's trying to show at in Boulder is what Dabo showed in Clemson for years that you can win big stakes without having a rep as a play caller on offense or defense. But clearly, you need good coordinators if you're going to do it. Um, we're going to talk about this on J.C. and Morgan. The best hire that Colorado made was their O.C., and and he was a major difference maker. Nobody's talking about it, right. but he was a major difference maker uh, for Colorado in that game. I don't know if Dabo's coordinators are going to be difference makers or not. 
But to go back to the initial point, like they clearly lost something when they lost that continuity. They haven't had the the stud wide receivers. They haven't had the defensive linemen that they were stockpiling one after another after another first round draft picks. Um, that just hasn't been there. Now, I don't know what the recruiting – JC can speak to what the recruiting rankings have been. I mean, they're always there, right? They're always top sure. 20. Top Very 10. often they've been top 10. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you're as talented as those top 10 recruiting classes they were, that they were getting before. And you're absolutely right on the quarterbacks. I mean, Kate Klubnick is a more than capable guy, but he's not going to be Deshaun Watson, and he's not going to be Trevor Lawrence. And clear, clearly DJ Uyugule, who is now – off to a good start at Oregon State, and they might win 10 games out there. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, <laughs> I mean, he did everything but wet himself in 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 the Clemson games. I mean, there was a lot of pressure, and it just I got to him. I mean, I'm not convinced that he he's not a talented kid, and sometimes a change, change of scenery solves everything, but it was not there. So you take away all these things that we're talking about, and you chip away at one strength after another, and all of a sudden you go from a national championship program to one that is clearly not at that level. And Dabo is Dabo can be his own worst enemy. Like when you're out there and you know bring your own guts and you're doing all the people are going to love it when you're doing well, and they're mm-hmm. going to buy in. You're going to get a lot of attention, but man, oh man, they're going to be the first ones to knock you down. I mean, Paul Feinbaum spends an incredible amount of time trolling two people, Jim Harbaugh and Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. And he was just out for blood. <laughs> and like neither one of those guys have anything to do with the SEC, but there's clearly there's an anti-Dabo sentiment out there and I'm not just talking by Gamecock fans. I mean, there's a lot of national people that are like, "Okay, I've been waiting on this for a while. Now I'm going to go ahead and take my shots at Dabo Sweeney." And he's taking them all. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, – I don't need to say anymore. He, he, you said it all right there. We're served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. It's 12.55 here on this uh, Tuesday afternoon, September the 5th. We'll take a break here in just a minute at the top of the hour, Mike, because that will be our final break. This is Power Hour presented by Palmetto Medicare, and then that will roll us into Shane Beamer's press conference at one thirty. So everybody who's with us, hang with us. We will get back into South Carolina when we get on the other side of the break here. Some of the other major headlines from the weekend of college football, Colorado, of course, over TCU. I just don't think anybody saw that coming. But Dion did. Shadir Sanders threw for 5'10 and four touchdowns, and the Buffs are uh, big winners and uh, really an unbelievable start. I'll see how long Travis Hunter can play 150 plays a game, but an unbelievable start for Colorado in the Sanders era. Uh, you know, Sunday night, you've already mentioned it, Florida State whipping LSU. Brian Kelly afterwards really didn't mince words at all. <clears throat> 45 to 24. And and I'll I'll kind of combine that converse both of those scores mm. with this one. 23 to 3. Ohio State really didn't look good in their win at Indiana, Mike. And some are questioning the quarterback position. My question to you is this. I think we know who number one is and number two are maybe, you know, it's hard to hard to believe that, uh, you know, Georgia is at number one. It's probably hard to believe maybe Michigan is at number two or maybe Alabama. But where's Florida State in all of that conversation after what we saw this past weekend? They're up there. They're up there. They are they are back. 
again, that's one of that's one of those volcano programs. They're they're not going to stay down forever. Uh, how they got as bad as they did, that's a whole other story. But now they've got it right, and Norvell did not hit the panic button. There were people after his after his you know what, and there were people after his job. Um, but he stayed to what he knew. He was a good football coach before he got there. He's still a good football coach. Combine that with the talent that's always built, it's always baked in. When you're the head coach of Florida State, you're going to get players. He's got them. Uh, and then, and now in the day and age of the portal, the the, the kid from Michigan State, <clears throat> uh, uh, help me out here. I just forgot his name. The uh, quarterback? No, no, no. Wide receiver. They they couldn't they couldn't oh, cover him. Had three three Keon, touchdowns. Uh, oh. Keon um, Clark. Was it Clark? No, Keon Coleman. Coleman, I'm sorry. Yeah, Keon Coleman. Coleman. That that, that was such a huge – two things happened. Somehow they got versed to come back for another year when he was a surefire first-round draft pick. That kid is a hellraiser, okay? You can't block him. And then getting – getting Keon out of the portal from Michigan State, a six-foot-four – Wide out, who runs good routes, who can take the lid, take the cover off the defense. They they couldn't cover him. And LSU, LSU, this just in, they've got good athletes in that secondary. They could not cover him. So that's another example of you recruit well, but you know how to use that portal. You've got portal power, and they implemented it extremely well. And you get a break on a kid that turned down a lot of money to come back for another year in Tallahassee, who just might be the best rush end in college football if not one of well we should um shouldn't we be getting the new top 25 today at some point in time yeah, it'll, yeah. It, should, it should be out today right guys why i, yeah, I know because of the labor day weekend okay yeah it just has it usually it hits by noon and it hasn't hit yet i'll so. save you the suspense georgia michigan florida state you think florida state jumps bama in the ap i, I would if i'm a voter I, well, just based on res- like resume has to matter. Alabama chose to play Middle Tennessee State. Florida State chose to schedule a top 10 team on a quote-unquote neutral field. I realize it was in the state of Florida. Yeah. So if you add that up, yeah, I would jump Florida State. And then when Alabama, if Alabama goes out and they start picking up the, the well, kind of wins. Texas that, this week, so. Right. If Alabama beats Texas. Then Alabama goes right back up. This whole thing that, like, well, I can't leapfrog a team over another if they, if the other team didn't lose says who? Oh, I agree. It's garbage. It's garbage. Yeah, it's I don't ridiculous. No. no. I was just curious. Yeah. I didn't know. If, yeah. Where do you put Colorado, Mike? <laughs> oh, no, number, number six. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't know. Mean, look. Easily. <laughs> I don't want to take away from, uh, from Dion's victory lap, but it, <laughs> it's a tremendous accomplishment. And again, the, the the power of the portal and Travis Hunter. Remember, you know where Travis Hunter should be playing right now. I shouldn't say yeah, should. Jackson, Jackson State. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Before that. Oh, Florida State. He was Florida a Seminole. Yeah, Can you yeah, imagine that Florida State yeah, team with yeah, Travis yeah. Hunter? Can you imagine? Um. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I TCU to me is a team that's going to have issues. They're clearly not the same magical team last year with Max Duggan, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great win, but I, I'm not ready to crown Colorado as a major uh, competitor just yet. Give it give it some time. 
they got Nebraska. They were initially a, a touchdown underdog to Nebraska. In other words, if you went to the ticket window in Vegas, or nowadays you don't even go, you don't even have to go to Vegas. If you bet in August, yeah, I'd like to uh, throw a hundred bucks on the Colorado Nebraska game. Nebraska would have been a seven and a half point favorite. They are now a three and a half point underdog. Colorado's yeah. favorite. That's how quickly that can change. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure Nebraska was favored just last week. I think it was three and a half on Friday. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So now if, Tra- if Travis Hunter plays, you know, 1,500 snaps this season, they might carry him <laughs> off in a stretcher. Uh, <laughs> right to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. But he'll be terrific <laughs> yeah. early on because the kid is a freakish athlete who's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> TCU didn't defend. If The one thing that stood out to me in that game, too, is the difference in the size differential. Colorado is going to win games on speed. They are smaller on almost every position on both lines of scrimmage, offensive line, D-line. It's like watch. They're going to win games like seven-on-seven style. But sometimes you can get away with that. Now, I don't know if you can get away with it over the course of 12 games, but TCU didn't smack them in the mouth at all. They offered virtually no resistance. Uh, They didn't dominate the line of scrimmage, even though they were – Man for man, I mean, they had the size, the strength, the numbers, but Colorado was quicker, and sometimes quicker is better. It certainly was on Saturday. We got to be quick to break. Final one, but we're not leaving you just yet. Shane Beamer going to hit the podium in about twenty-eight minutes, so we have uh, we're going to stick around here until about one twenty-eight or so, and uh, Mike is going to stay with us as well. It's Power Hour presented by. Palmetto, Medicare, Brian Spencer and his team. We'll tell you more about that and get back into Gamecock football here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. 
go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game Pops. This crowd, the atmosphere that's going to be in that stadium, ready to explode just as they do each time. They're fighting game are introduced. And so this frenzied crowd ready for the kickoff. And the rave breaks out of Columbia. What you're about to see is a spectacle unto itself. Let's enjoy. All right, back with you here. The power hour extended, even more powerful than normal as we take you up to the Shane Beamer press conference, just shy of uh, 1.30. Do you want to mention... Proud sponsor of the Power Hour, Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare. Palmetto-Medicare.com is the website. Now, Brian can't block or tackle, uh, can't throw a football, probably more than about seven and a half yards, doesn't run real fast, um, doesn't have good hands, not very coachable, technique is way off. But one thing he can do well, he can help you with all your Medicare needs. People already on Medicare but losing coverage through their job or spouse, All Medicare recipients during the annual election period, that's between October 15th and December 7th every year. If you know anything about that, you know what a a huge time that is. We're embarking upon that here soon enough. Uh, Again, he's been doing this now since 2005. Born and raised in South Carolina, takes care of a number of Gamecock fans, excuse me, across the country. It can help you with one simple phone call. You see it at the bottom of your screen or if you're just listening, 803-960-960. 9484-803-960-9484. He'll help you through the process, help make sure that you get as much coverage as possible through Medicare. Again, there's only one choice if you or a loved one are in this situation. That's Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare. Check out the website for more information, palmetto-medicare.com. And when you chat with Brian, he is a friendly, friendly folk. Uh, let him know you heard about it here during the Power Hour. Mike on. Almost made that mistake. 108 here, uh, about 20 minutes left, and then Shane Beamer will be at the press conference. We'll take you all the way until that moment. Mike, circling back to South Carolina, you mentioned earlier the lack of pressure uh, this weekend as a major contributor. The offensive line certainly is going to be talked about today. He's going to get asked about that, um, and I'm sure he'll get asked about the defensive line as well. But in kind of rummaging through the statistics this morning, I found a – a baffling, baffling stat, and baffling. it is really not good for Gamecock defense. Jordan Strawn 
Tonka Henway and Boogie Huntley are three of the four starters up front. They combined for four tackles, but all of those were assist- assisted tackles. Those three guys, three four-star big-name guys, hmm. your starting defensive linemen, assisted on four tackles. That yeah. can't happen. And, you know, you again, you go back to uh, previous eras of Gamecock football uh, where this at times was the strength of the team during Ellis Johnson's run as defensive coordinator uh, under Coach Spurrier and so on and so forth. You know, we've seen what Brad Lawing has done around here, RIP. But you, you don't have to be Brad Lawing coached well to be impactful. That is not even impactful. That's not on the radar. Yeah, and again, sixteen to one tackle for loss. So you're not getting. They didn't cause a lot of havoc in the backfield. And we talked about this for weeks. The Tar Heels had more than capable running backs, and they, and unlike what you're looking at right now uh, in Columbia, you've got depth in the backfield is what what they have, and that's been built right. over time. Um, and clearly, they won the line of scrimmage. I mean, there's just no question about it. And then whenever you needed a big throw, I know the numbers were not eye popping. Drake May's not going to, you know base a Heisman Trophy candidacy on on that stat line, but you just see the arm talent. It's just different. Like you're not going Carolina's not going to face another quarterback with that arm talent all year. You're going to find guys that can beat you in different ways. But the whole misconception is that Drake May couldn't run. He led the team in rushing last year. He's like a quick twitch six foot five yeah. uh, guy with a an NFL arm. Those don't come around very often. And if he wasn't a legacy in Chapel Hill, he he was offered seven figures to transfer elsewhere. So right. if the kid happened to grow up in like Mississippi or Utah or Florida, he wouldn't still be in Chapel Hill. <laughs> but but it, they they got a fortunate break in that his whole family they're all Tar Heel fans. So he stayed where he was and came back for another year. And again, there were a couple throws he made where it's like okay, the rest of the time this year, you're not going to see a guy make that throw, but he's he's got a different level of arm. As it pertains to what's left, though, Mike, and I, I think that's where I kind of want to go with this. You know, we've, again, you you covered the Tar Heels in the, in the spring game, which you tried to, everything that we saw from them Saturday, you've been talking about since April. Uh, yeah. That is who they were then. It's kind of the same team. And and we know what is coming down the road, Georgia and Tennessee and those things. I, I don't know if this is even a fair question at this point in time, but how would you compare North Carolina, at least on both lines of scrimmage, because that's where South Carolina struggled this, this weekend on both sides of the ball up front, uh, to what they're going to run into? Georgia, I don't know if, even if there's a comparison. Georgia no, might be no, no, no. the best in the country. That's um, right. But beyond that, uh, tennis, uh, Mississippi State, Tennessee, all those blue-collar games that are coming down the road that you have to win in order to get to a bowl game this year. Missouri, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Florida, so on and so forth. I mean, do you think that North Carolina, if they had to play that schedule, again, it's an unfair question, but do you think if they had to play that schedule, that based on what you know about them and what we've seen at least initially from some of these other programs in the SEC, Florida had their struggles, by the way, that North Carolina would get their share of wins. I'm asking that question so we can maybe start to figure out in our minds what South Carolina has to be able to fit in down the road. 
Well, first off, you didn't lose to a typical ACC team uh, on Saturday. This has the potential to be one of Mac's best teams, especially when they get Tez back and wide out. Uh, the biggest question was answered at least for one week, and that is could they shed the soft label, particularly on defense? Uh, and that also translated to the offensive line. You know, their weakness last year offensively, they they put up a ton of yards and points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the red zone, when they really needed to smash mouth, they couldn't do it. So they were soft, really, on both lines of scrimmage. That was the whole, again, I'll, I'll say it, it was a mea culpa game for Mac Brown, for Gene Chizik. If they were going to make it to that next level, they couldn't just be a finesse team. Well, they were not the finesse team at all a Saturday night in Charlotte. So, yes, they resemble now what, what the Gamecocks are going to face for a good portion of the year. I mean, I I think... What you saw Saturday is already better than Florida, better than Mississippi State, better than Vanderbilt, better than Missouri. I I stand by that. So for those that are just all doom and gloom today, I I know like the the whole notion has always been, well, they're in the ACC, so therefore they must suck. That's not always the case. Florida State's in the ACC, and (laughs) they're really good. Uh, and, And this year, the Tar Heels will certainly be a formidable opponent. And I think top to bottom, especially when you add the fact that you have a guy that that could threaten for the, the number one pick in the draft at quarterback, which just happens to be by far and away the most important position on the field. Yeah, they're better than most of the teams you're going to see on the Gamecock schedule. They're not better than Georgia. They're not better than Tennessee. But they're better than those swing games that we're talking about. And so you learn from this game. You realize what you have to improve. Uh but make no mistake about it, there's still a number of winnable games on the Gamecock schedule. They're, Mississippi State, Will Rogers is a nice quarterback. He ain't Drake May. Missouri doesn't have a front seven on defense the way the Tar Heels do. Florida looked like a train wreck against Utah. That should be a very winnable game. And Vandy is still Vandy. So I, I haven't changed my forecast on the Gamecock season based on this one loss. Is is North Carolina, this would be a bold take, are they the second best team in the ACC? It's so, it's too early to have the conversation, Mike. This is the yeah. this is the shot out of the cannon. No offense to the four-letter network, but four-letter network, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., Tuesday-style talk show, right. you know, exactly. where you're getting a hot take that really the doesn't matter. LeBron James in a game of you pickup. Know? Right. Yeah. Like that doesn't matter. None of this matters. But I mean, right. it's all every, every each weekend in college football is evaluated as its own season, as we all know. And we get to evaluate week one now after the, these five straight days of care of college football games, kind of as the season that we know it based Jamie, on. What it's, we- a, it's a great question you just posed. I honestly hadn't thought of it based on way too early returns could they be absolutely i mean if if clemson is nearly as bad as they looked against duke what else are we who else are we talking about here nc state no miami no virginia tech no georgia tech no who else are we talking about i i I don't think there's well, there's nobody, I don't think, right? I mean, I do we know enough about Virginia's awful. 
Oh, they're terrible. I mean, do we know enough about Miami and Louisville to just dis- dismiss them? I- uh, well, I'll, I'll dismiss Louisville. Yeah, I, I'll go that far. Now, okay. Miami, if Van Dyke plays like he did two years ago, they've they got do. talented wide receivers. They've got athletes. I don't know what – they were in a fog last year that's unjustifiable. But maybe maybe they figure it out this year. Maybe. But I'm not there yet either. I, I, for right now, like if, if I had to rank the eight, the premature, way too early after one week return, who's the second best team? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go that way. What about I hadn't Duke? Thought about it. I mean, Duke has the second best win. Yeah, no, I mean, Duke, Duke's a great story, but Duke's where Duke is going to get in trouble is still the line of scrimmage. I mean, they're they're still not. They don't stack up with the upper third of the ACC on the line. Can you overcome that some weeks? Absolutely. On a consistent basis? I don't think so. Um, I, I think, and they have a, they have a front line quarterback mm-hmm. uh, and they're well coached. So you add all that up and, and Duke will have another winning record. They'll be in another bowl game. All these things are really, really good, but no, I don't think they're, I don't think, and they'll play. In fact, I had that game two years ago. Uh, Duke and, and the Tar Heels will play in Chapel Hill this year. Uh, yeah, third third final weekend of the year, I think. Yeah, yeah 11, Tar- 11 Yeah, and then it's at Clemson and at North Carolina State to finish their schedule. Yeah, D- so I- Duke, Duke kind of got screwed towards the end of the year. I mean, they got four of their last six games are on the road at Florida yeah. State, at Louisville, at North Carolina, at Virginia, but I mean, they're well, that one. Yeah. Well, Duke, Duke will have to prove it. I mean, they they just did against Clemson, but they got Notre Dame. They've got Florida State on the road. They got North Carolina on the road. Florida State is going to have every opportunity in just a couple of weeks to say, yeah, well, it's our league and it's over essentially because they'll go to Clemson, and if they go up there and get the win, I mean, after that, the scary thing to think about, Mike, is the best team that might be left on their schedule is Duke. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I mean, Florida State has all the components of a playoff team. I mean, they yeah. really do. And coaches it, poll have yeah. them at five. By the way, it just came out. Coaches poll came out. Okay. Yeah, they've got they've got Florida State at five, um, still right behind Ohio State. Which, if those two played today, I would take Florida State in a hurry to beat uh, Ohio State. Uh, agreed, and I would take Jordan Travis at quarterback over Jalen Monroe Milroe, who uh, again has a lot to prove. Like I know Travis can make the throws. I don't know if Milrow can. So like, I yeah. love Alabama. Love them. If they had Bryce Young again, they'd probably be my pick to win the national championship, but they don't. So um, <laughs> Florida State has what Alabama doesn't. And if you don't think Nick Saban would make that trade in a heartbeat, he would. He would gladly take Travis over Milrow, even though Milrow is another one of those guys who you know, looks the part and in a combine would probably do very well, but that's not how the game is won. South Carolina, by the way, did receive four votes from the coaches in this week's poll. Just kind of an FYI. Really? Well, wow. Whatever that's worth. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Sure. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, Based sure. on day presence alone. <laughs> Which, Phil, I still need to reach out to Steve Fink and get clarification because the Gamecocks just faced their fourth straight-ranked opponent by uh, facing North Carolina, going back to last year, of course, Tennessee, Clemson, yes. Notre Dame. That's four in a row, which is a school record. But this week, 
technically makes five in a row because Furman is ranked number five, I think, in the FCS bowl. Yes, that's right. I mean, this is uh, that's the, the other thing about what we're <laughs> Furman's Steve, not bad. They're they're not going to just come in here and lie down. <laughs> so you're going oh, no. to fight after what know? they saw last weekend. Oh, like gosh, they're yeah. they're going to come in and yeah. Did, did you guys catch the uh, Ryan McGee? Who I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of. Uh, we've had him on JC and Morgan. I just, I just like, just like his overall approach to everything he does. He had a tweet, and, and of course, he's got deep South Carolina roots. Uh, he had a tweet, and he cited every South Carolina university that lost this past weekend. It was not a good week for the Palmetto State in college football, right? And he said, South Carolina hasn't been treated this poorly since Sherman. And he just. <laughs> Just went right for the like on that tweet this morning. Right, I'm like, right hey, to right. the jugular, <laughs> right for the jugular, man. And he can get away with that because again, he yep. grew up in South Carolina. His dad was an official uh, who 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 was based Thanks, in South Carolina, and uh, this was a good line. It was a good line, except for Furman. I think they're the only team that won. Right, that's right. All every FBS school lost. Lost. I can't remember the last time that's happened. Uh, it's weird. When is the last time Clemson and South Carolina opened the season both with losses? When's the last time what? Clemson and South Carolina both opened the season with a loss. Oh, well. Clemson's last loss was what against Georgia like five years ago, right? What 18? year was that? Was that 18? No, it wasn't. It was 17, no, wasn't it? 17, 17, was, 17, yeah. Or was that 18? No, it was because it, it was the last year that South Carolina beat North Carolina in an opener, which I think was 17 because they lost in 19 and they haven't played an opener until 23. So I think that's right. Maybe I'm wrong. Ed, Ed, I'm Ed said 2014. I clearly Maybe remember South Carolina's loss that year, but who was Clemson's loss? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a misleading stat anyway, because that you can, yeah. you could have a great record in week one if you don't play anybody. Right. No, Oh yeah, twenty yeah, Clemson Clemson lost in Athens in twenty fourteen. Yeah, they got their rear ends kicked forty five to twenty one. Yeah, yeah, that was ugly. That was ugly. So yeah, and so did South Carolina that same day by by Kenny Trill. Kenny Thrill. Oh, oh like, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah that Ken, one. And then that Kenny dude, Thrill. that was his shining moment. I mean, he probably oh, it was. has he probably has yeah. that on a loop. And he just yeah. plays it in his house over and over because he never did anything after that. <laughs> he like never played again. No, it was, it was, uh, he was the he was the leading Heisman candidate after that weekend, and then like literally couldn't even make a high school JV squad after that. It was unbelievable. That was the end of him, and that was the end of that coaching staff. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty remarkable. I Clint said, "Is UNC better than Duke?" By the way, which we, I um, think so. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, go I, and say it. I I, I, I think t- they are. They'll yeah. they'll they'll settle that on the field. I I would say Tar Heels win that's, that by double incredible. digits. And there were still over half Clemson fans in that stadium last night. That you didn't you couldn't tell until the camera was way off in the Pulled distance. Out on the field really storm. pay attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, does the ACC have a storm the field fine rule like the know. SEC does? Whatever it is, Duke should gladly pay it. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. sure they, they will. Yeah, well, and they all have exemptions built into the ACC ones for certain programs. Like did, did you? you. <laughs> if you are Paul Blart, Mall Cop Security at Wallace Wade Stadium, 
you just say, go ahead, son. Storm just the field. The I'm velvet not rope. Yeah. Hey, did, did you see some of the students when they would flash it down there? They were kind of organizing like rows. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Only Duke, man. Only oh, no. Duke. No, no, no. I remember Vanderbilt did the same last year when they beat Florida. And they like went down in single file. It was like very orderly. And, and it was like it was like 2,000 people and they got fined. You don't get fined based on the tonnage. So if 80,000 storm the field or if 2,000 storm the field, it's the same fine. Man, right. like, can we get a discount on this? We only had 2,000 people. That's right. Our hedges are still standing. You don't even have to you don't have to replace any turf. We didn't touch anything. We just, we just very casually walked down and did our own little high five, and that's it. That's Should right. Fine. That's exactly right. That is exactly <laughs> right. Imagine some ACC talking head this morning. It's like, Duke, act like you've been there. Yeah, right. <laughs> We haven't been there. <laughs> we, None of those yeah. kids were alive the last time you'd been there. <laughs> no, no, they haven't been there in 35 years. It was nine. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, what, which, by the way, what what is baffling, and we'll let you run on this note, Mike, because we we got to get going with Shane coming up. But uh, of the coaches poll that is already out, Clemson is at 21, Duke's at 24. Pretty sure Duke beat him by three touchdowns last night. Just again, it 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 means nothing. Like I I get it. Actually, saying here, yeah, yeah. I Carolina got four votes. I'm not anti poll because I don't they they don't mean anything. So no. it's like yeah. they're they're printed in like the wilderness. You know, if the coach's poll falls in the, in an empty forest, does it? Does anybody care? It, it doesn't matter in terms of who makes the playoff and who doesn't. This is not the BCS. Thank goodness. Um, it has no relevance in anything, but that doesn't stop people from looking at them, right? People sure. can people can bag on them all they want. They always look at them just out of morbid curiosity, if nothing else. And then you got to decide which is the less credible: the coaches who take no time, and I don't blame them, to actually fill these things out. They've got more important things to worry about, or AP voters, very very many of which, if you if you follow the Heisman vote. Uh, clearly they don't pay attention to a lot of things either, or they're just biased or have some type of agenda. So which one do you trust less? I've always posed that question, not more. Which one do you trust even less than the other? I, I, I trust uh, it, it. It depends. There are, there are days where I trust one more than the other. And then that flip flops sometimes as the <laughs> season goes along. That's generally. right. That's I, right. I change my opinion. Mike will let you run on that note. And uh, look forward to having you back on Thursday for another edition of the Power Hour presented by Palmetto Medicare. We'll go over those picks, too, by the way. JC will be bragging because yep. he went 5-0. Yeah, uh, he did. Of course he did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, he did well, okay. That's great. <laughs> Makes things even better. He went 5-0. and I don't want to talk about what we went. But anyway, we'll talk about it yeah. Thursday. Guys, enjoy that's it. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Power Hour with Mike Morgan. We are out of time. Shane yeah. Beamer. Uh, uh, no, Michael, we uh, not carry uh, only your flagship can carry it, which is 107.5 the game, or it has to originate from the university itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can take notes on it, and we can do all those type things. But um, we don't; we cannot legally carry it. So, 
We will carry ourselves out for the afternoon, but back in tomorrow at 11. Pat DeMarco will join us tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Pat DeMarco will join us tomorrow. We'll all be anxious to hear his take on the ballgame. Built by the Barndo Co., served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and live from the Sinorama Studios. Thanks to Phil, Mike Morgan, and Hale McGranahan, and all of you. We'll see you tomorrow inside the Gamecocks, the show. Make sure you've downloaded the Chief Sports app. We're all part of the Chief Sports Network, presented by Dixie Vodka.